This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Sir Fluffhead of Gamehenge, formerly known as Brown Ben Zaza, whose words are, I come from the land of darkness, I come from the land of doom, I come from the land of Gamehenge, from the land of the big baboon. Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into chapter 33, uh, Eddard 8 of A Game of Thrones. In a, wor- in, in a world of ice and fire, we are discussing um, the Riverlands. Yeah. So. Yeah, bigger. We're, now that we're in, in the world of ice and fire, we're in our kind of bigger region studies. Um, yeah, yeah, the Riverlands. Some interesting stuff about the Trident we will get to here. Um, I just kind of found interesting about some of the wars and how the Ironborn actually were able to use the Riverlands to uh, their advantage. Yeah, for a long time in the day. Yeah, yeah, right. So right. Uh, actually, yeah. You know, well, at the just, I'll go ahead. Well, I was gonna say uh, as as we get into it, um, when I was doing my research today. The Riverlands is one of those uh, kind of like High Garden, changed quite a bit, you know, like mm-hmm. after the conquest. Yeah. So it's it's what what we it's actually worth a good history study, you know, because of how much it's yeah, and, um, changed. And you know, you don't really think about it, but most of the books actually take place in or around yeah. the Riverlands. It, yeah, it is kind right. of that central region. We just don't really ever think of it, but you know, almost. I mean, Arya, all of her running around is pretty much in the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie in the Riverlands, yeah, Brienne, yep. everything. It's kind of that it connects the north and the south, and it yeah, it's kind surrounded of uh, gets put right there in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So this is this is a good one to do today. So, all right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, all right. At the beginning of our show, we just like to remind people you can uh, send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. Um, we answer your ravens, questions, anything you want. So we just like to do that. So uh, let's go ahead and move on over to small council. Sir Ezra, how are you doing today? Uh, doing okay. Looking forward to some, uh, you know, get some football on later tonight. Uh, looking forward to watching that. So I think the Browns and the Bengals play, don't they? Is that today? Mm, maybe. Am I right? I think I so. Have to take a look. Uh, but anyways, I, I'm looking I forward have, to some I'd... some football action. Uh so um, yeah, just trying to relax, you know. Uh, it's been a, been a stressful couple of weeks, but just trying to chill out here on the weekend and uh, you know have a good time. So how about you, buddy? Hey man, I'm good. I just, uh, I just I'm going out and chopping some wood later today. You know, get uh, preparing for winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Does I'm winter come out there, off, or so. is is is, Actually, is it always not winter? Yeah, it's. No, it's it's supposed it's supposed to start raining soon. It hasn't it hasn't done it quite yet, but uh, I I believe it is it is soon upon us. So yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so I went to this kind of night market thing last night. It's kind of this cool little trendy shops and 
kind of kind of stuff and had uh, actually one of this cool place they they did they do s'mores like you know you just and but they do like use like a blowtorch it's pretty cool that's cool um that's yeah. awesome. actually I forgot to mention last last night I went out with another uh, podcasting buddy and listened to the legend of Sleepy Hollow which was actually kind of cool uh, so oh yeah you know got to see the the headless horseman riding around scared scared to death but it was uh it was fun. It was out, outside, nice and cool. Yeah. Good fall weather. Got the flannel on, so it's feeling good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'm not much for flannel. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not really a flannel person. It, it, but, is, uh, isn't flannel worn out there quite a bit though, in Portland? Yeah, it is. That's what I thought. Yeah, they're all, they're all about it. Yeah. They're they're all about it. That's great. Good people mm-hmm. out there. Then good so. people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, um, as we. There's not really a lot of news, Sir Ezra. Yeah. I, I was trying to dig up. I was trying to dig up some news this week, and there's really uh, kind of nothing. Kind of a kind of a slow week. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, sometimes uh, yeah, no news but, can be good news. You know, maybe things are mm-hmm. just moving along. Everybody's working, doing their thing. So that's that's the hope. Is that, yeah. is that Gers? Gers getting some work done. Well, here's the thing. I mean, uh, to kind of parallel this chapter. You know, that silence that uh, Stannis Baratheon, you know, left the realm with when he went to Dragonstone. I mean, so it can be a bad thing. You know, it could be things are, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're working on something. Maybe Gur's working on something. You know, the show's still working. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's kind of that still. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's the calm before the storm, you know? Yeah. Hey, we, you and I are always working on something. That's, that's for sure. That's for sure. That's right. We're here. So. Yeah. So, yeah, we're here. Uh, so, all right, well, let's go ahead and dive in over into the, um, the, the maester study and talk a little bit about the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. So as, as always, I kind of like to pull up just the first little bit and, uh, dive into it. Uh, much history rife with both glory and tragedy has been made in the lands watered by the river Trident and its three great vassal streams stretching from the neck to the banks of the Blackwater, the East uh, and east to the borders of the Vale, the Riverlands are the beating heart of Westeros. No other land of the Seven Kingdoms has seen so many battles, nor so many petty kings and royal houses rising and falling. The causes of this are clear. Rich and fertile, the Riverlands border on every other realm in the Seven Kingdoms save Dorne, yet, f- yet have few natural boundaries to deter invasion. The waters of the Trident make the Rand ripe for settlement, farming, and conquest, whilst the river's three branches stimulate trade and travel during peacetime and serve as both roads and uh, barriers in times of war. And then just another thing right here, just going to talk about the trident a little bit. Mm-hmm. The importance of the trident to the region was never made clearer when, than when King Harwin Hor, the grandfather of Heron the Black, fought over the Riverlands with Storm King Eric. The Ironborn Reavers were able to achieve dominance on the rivers and use them as a means to transport forces swiftly between far-flung strongholds and battlefields. The Storm King suffered his worst defeat at the crossing of the Blue Fork near Fair Market, where the long ships provided dis- uh, proved decisive in allowing the Ironborn to seize the crossing despite Eric's superior numbers. I just find it. I just find it in- interesting that at some point the, the Storm King, you know, fell at at the Trident, which is, you know, just right. odd considering when we when we think of you know the Stormlands just winning the big huge victory over the Targaryens. So, 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's um, seems to be a spot where people, you know, uh, big battles are, are held. I mean, honestly, right above and around uh, and below the God's Eye, a lot of battles took place there. You know, in uh, the mm-hmm. Dance of the Dragons and in Aegon's Conquest, uh, definitely a place that's been fought over quite a bit. Uh, kind of a, I almost like, how does the Riverlands continue to function? You know, it's sort of like, I mean, when you look at it on the map, it's it's true. It's surrounded on all, you know, sides and, and it is a fertile land, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. it's just, just kind of strange, I guess, you know, that like. <clears throat> well, right, well, when, when you start to look at the regions, when you start to look at the regions around it, um, you know, the Riverlands is kind of flat. Um, you know, you have the mountains of the Vale to the east, and then, you know, you have the Westerlands to the west, and that's kind of rocky and hilly as well. And then the north, it gets kind of cold. And so I, it's just flattened, so it just seems like it's so easy to just march armies through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the only <clears throat> the only, the only problem you come into is when you have to cross a river, especially if you have to go, you know, cross a particular bridge. But Right, right. Um, and it looks like too, you know, at one point we're talking about the we're talking about the history of, of um, the Riverlands, and so uh, I think you know you as as you know now in our series, um, River Run is sort of the you know the head seat House Tully. We'll get to it in a second here uh, is sort of running the show. But back in the day, Harrenhal was the place, right? You know that was sort of the mm-hmm. um, the major keep there, and uh, the Ironborn had had done a lot of uh, you know had basically taken over. They were running the 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 Riverlands there for for a long while, so, mm-hmm. but uh, but then you know eventually, uh, so its its history is just kind of uh, interesting in how it's passed hands, and I think sometimes we get caught up thinking that um, oh how the house house Tully has always been there, they've always been there, but that they were always in power or you know uh, in control right. or what have you, um, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it seems like if you just when we. We start looking at the history of the Riverlands, too. It seems like every major event in Westeros almost takes place at the Riverlands. Yeah. You know, when you go all the way back to the, like, the Dawn Age, um, this is where, you know, you have the Isle of Faces there, and that's where the pact was signed when they were fighting with the Children of the Forest. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you have that, and then you have, obviously, you know, Robert, Robert Baratheon beating... Uh, Rhaegar, you know, at the at the Battle of the Trident, and uh, you can look at Harrenhal. I mean, that was kind of one of the first big, huge battles of the uh, of Aegon's conquest. Yeah. So, right. Are we setting ourselves up for something? You know, people have been saying, "What if the Night King falls at the Trident?" Yeah, 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 for sure. That's definitely something uh, we've talked about it, it being a place of importance. Uh, once again, yeah, and, and real quick, the the Trident. I've, if in case you've, I, th- I think Sir Matt just kind of mentioned it and, and talked about it. But when you really look at the map, the reason it's called that is because of the three, you know, rivers that that take uh, that that spring from it. Really, you've got the Red Fork, mm-hmm. uh, the Blue Fork, and the Green Fork. You know, and so the Green mm-hmm. Fork takes off north. The Blue Fork heads over to, um, you know, um, the Iron Islands, sort of that Iron Man's Bay. Uh, and then the Red Fork stretches all the way across over into the into the uh, Westerlands, so um, mm-hmm. kind of neat. I, I guess I never really uh, it helps me put my wrap my mind around those different references in our story. You know, when when they're crossing the Green Fork, the Blue mm-hmm. Fork, and the Red Fork. You know, so cool. If you get a chance to go look at that on the map, yeah, it's I pretty neat. Yeah, I do kind of like the uh, just. I'm just gonna read again here from the book how it just kind of describes um, the the branches of the Trident. <clears throat> 
So you have the, you know, the red fork, it says, colored by the mud and silt that tumbles down from the western mountains. The green fork, whose mossy waters emerge from the swamps of the neck. And the blue fork, named for the purity of its sparkling uh, spring-fed uh, fed flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think, you know, again, that's that's something else to think about in these regions. Because I think sometimes when we think about regions, we just kind of think of like, oh, it's just like you're from the north, you're from the north. Whereas you and I often bring up, you know, the difference in Dornish, right? Like the sandy Dornish as opposed to like the stony Dornish. Yeah. So you've got those like hills and then you kind of get down to Sunspear. So that I think that's also something to kind of, you know, the neck actually is quite big. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the uh, Riverlands, excuse me. Um, you know, you've got those, that kind of, um, swampy area up in the top before it kind of gets into, gets in, in, into the North. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And how that all, how that all, how that all kind of connects. You know, something that I just noticed, it's kind of interesting too. look at the twins and think about how, when, um, uh, when Rob Stark is, is coming down and he needs to sort of, uh, he's trying to, you know, take out some of the Lannisters or, or move over into Lannister territory, he either can cross at the Twins or he has to go clear down to near where the Trident is. He has to go, he has to follow the King's Road all the way down. So it's a, it's a huge uh, barrier that like the, the, the Green Fork for him to kind of cross an army with, mm-hmm. you know, so it's either cross way up north there or take his army all the way down and almost, they'd almost be out of position uh, to surprise you know any of the Lannisters, so it's kind of cool when you look at it, you know, strategically um, from Rob's point of view, coming through the Riverlands and why he made the deal and the pact that he made with Walter Frey uh, makes a lot more sense. So, right. Uh, but uh, here, the uh, I think uh, two pa- two paragraphs on here, the two the true history of the Riverlands began with the coming of the Andals after crossing the narrow sea and sweeping over the Vale. These conquerors from the east moved to make their own, sailing uh, their long ships up the Trident. Uh, and its three great branches. In those days, it, seem, it seems that the Andals fought in bands behind chieftains, who the later septums would name kings. Piece by piece, they encroached upon the many petty kings whose realms uh, the riverlands watered. So, there's sort of your mm-hmm. start, and that the Andals are, are heavily, um, they're big influencers in uh, the riverlands. You know, we, we know they kind of landed there um, near the Vale, uh, and came across the the mountain range there and then and this is saying too uh they came up through the trident and into the riverlands so that's sort of mm-hmm. how how that all began but actually to back up a little bit weren't yeah. there some kings that weren't there some um let me see here during the long centuries that when the first men reigned supreme in westeros countless petty kings rose and fell okay so there's just there's just numerous they don't really mention like a like a name i don't, I don't think i don't see one here anyways um, few legendary kings and heroes on the weathered stones and runes whose meaning are now disputed at the Citadel. Thus, whilst singers and storytellers may regale us with colorful tales of Artos the Strong, uh, Florian the Fool, Nine-Fingered Jack, Shara the Witch Queen, and the Green King of the God's Eye, the very existence of such per- uh, personages uh, must be questioned by the serious scholar. So, not a whole lot mm-hmm. uh, there, I guess, in the Back in the, um, you know, time of the first men. So we don't really know a whole lot still. And yeah, we don't. And it also, you know, as we get into when the, when they, when they came over and like the Andals come over and they start to bring the seven, it seems like the, it seems like the Riverlands 
is one, you can almost argue it's kind of the most important region to the children of the forest. Um, and I'll get to that here in a second. And it also seems like it's kind of a huge part of the Andals because of the of the seven. So I'm going to kind of read a, a longer passage here because I think it's, I just find it kind of interesting here. Um, uh, songs speak to us the years of the fall of Maidenpool and the death of its boy king, Florian the Brave, fifth of his name of the Widow's Ford, where three sons of Lord Derry held back the Andal warlord, uh, Vorian Viprin, and his knights for a day and a night, slaying hundreds before they fell themselves. Of the night in the white wood, where supposedly the children of the forest emerged from beneath a hollow hill to send hundreds of wolves against an Andal camp, tearing hundreds of men apart beneath the light of the crescent moon of the of the great battle of uh, Bitter Bitter River where the brackens of Stonehenge and the Blackwoods of Raven Tree Hall made common cause against the invaders, only to be shattered by the charge of 777 Andal Knights and seven Septims, bearing the seven-pointed star of the faith upon their shield. The seven-pointed star went everywhere uh, the Andals went, borne before, uh, before them on shields and banners embroidered on their surcoats, sometimes... Uh, incised into their very flesh in their zeal for the seven the conquerors looked upon the old gods of the first men and the children of the forest as little more than demons and fell upon their weirwood groves sacred to them with steel and fire destroying the great white trees wherever they found them and hacking out their carved faces the great hill called high heart was especially holy to the first men as it had been to the children of the forest before them crowned by a grove of giant weirwoods, ancient as any that had been seen in the Seven Kingdoms, High Heart was still the abode of the children and their green seers. When the Andal king Eric, the kingslayer, surrounded the hill, the children emerged to defend it, calling down clouds of ravens and, and armies of wolves, or so the legends tell us. Yet neither tooth nor talon was a match for the steel axes of the Andals who slaughtered the green seers, the beasts, and the first men alike, and raised beside the high heart a hill of corpses half against half again as high, or so the singers would have us believe. True history suggests otherwise, insisting that the children had abandoned the riverlands long before the Andals crossed the narrow sea, but however it happened, the grove was destroyed. Today only stumps remain where once Weirwoods stood. Wow. So there's kind of a lot to pick out of that kind of passage right there. Um, so first of all, you know, you have the Isle of Faces and it seems like High Heart is also a very kind of sacred area to the children. And then of course mm -hmm. the, the first men as well. Um, so, I mean, what do we think about that knowing kind of, kind of High Heart's history? Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's because I think of that, of the Weirwood network and that they were giant trees, they were like these giant trees, um, that were mm -hmm. kind of in a circle, it was almost like maybe they made it a place that was a sanctuary. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's and it's still significant. We have the, the ghost of High Heart still kind of, you know, walking around and um, uh, all upset there. And we 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 encounter those stumps actually. Um, I believe Arya right. co comes comes across them. So yeah, she does when she's when she's meeting the the ghost of High Heart. And High Heart and the Isle of Faces are almost like, I mean, they're not like directly next to each other, but they're they're relatively close. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far. Mm -mm, yeah, so, 
Uh, and that is, is you know, the Isle of Faces is, is sort of where um, those green seers went, right? Is that is that not the rumor that the, that that's right. the last sort of yep. uh, place they went? So, they, I mean, a lot of them were, were slain and, and killed here. I think it's interesting that the children called down ravens and wolves, you know? Right. That... That is kind of another another thing because that could go a bunch of different ways and theories, um, you know, with like Three Eyed Raven and the Starks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's starting to make a lot of sense. It's starting to kind of um, that they had those um, that they were allies to or that they could command or control, you know, control, I think is the word, uh, ravens and wolves. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you've got Blood Raven who, who they can... Uh, have have got in their service, uh, and then they're trying to get, you know, uh, Bran Stark up there as well. So, which right. is So yeah. So question, Sir Ezra, is it? Uh, do the children control the Three Eyed Raven? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, I think they do. I don't know, because uh, I've always thought something mischievous was going on there, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not quite not quite sure, uh, but I think. That's that's their weapons. That's what they can use is is green seeing. Right. They can use their powers. Um, you know, so yeah, like like warging is also kind of close to that, you know, talent. So and and, and the Starks are kind of close to the First Men. They always uh, claim, you know, um, that they've got this heritage with the First Men. So in in this situation, uh, High Heart was was a place that was um, revered by the First Men too. So. I don't know. There just seems to be a strong correlation between uh, the children, and then once they had made their pact and and stuff, uh, had found common cause and sort of fighting off the the Andals, and the Andals bring with them the seven, right. and uh, they prevailed. You know, so which is interesting. I love that they they the the seven hundred and seven uh seven hundred and seventy seven seven yeah seventy seven, which is pretty cool. So something in that in that number. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So should we move, should we move up a little bit more to more recent times? Uh, maybe talk a little bit about house Tully and some, sure. just some of the bigger, bigger mm-hmm. houses that are kind of in here. Yep. Um, yeah. So the Tully's of river run were never Kings though. The books of lineage will show any number of connections to their dynasties of the past. It may have been these old connections that started house Tully on its path to becoming Lord paramounts of the trident under Aegon the first um the tully name appears in many chronicles and annals of the trident back unto the days of the first men where the first edmure tully and his sons fought besides the hammer of justice tristopher the fourth mud in many of his 99 victories A- after tristopher's death sir edmure went over the mightiest of the andal conquerors armistead vance it was from him, that Edmure's son, Axel, received a grant of lands at the juncture of the Red Fork and its swift-running vassal, the the Tumblestone. There, Lord Axel established his seat in a red castle he named Riverrun. Mm-hmm. Placed as it was, Riverrun soon proved to have great strategic value, and the petty kings contended during the Age of Anarchy and... and during the Age of Anarchy, soon began to vie for the support of House Tully. Axel and his descendants grew wealthy and powerful and in time became the bulwark of many a river king, for they defended the Trident's western marches against the Kingdom of the Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So in a way, I mean, you could almost argue you look at kind of the the Tyrells, you know, right now in the beginning of where we're at mm-hmm. in, in the first couple of books where I mean, obviously, they, they are the seat of the the reach. But, you know, the Lannisters are kind of that richer, richest family in Westeros and the and the um, mm-hmm. the Tyrells are kind of like just slowly building. Hey, let's just build. We don't need to involve ourselves in a bunch of conflicts. And yeah. just kind of build and, and and slowly consolidate power. Yeah, when you look at like the whole Seven Kingdoms, yeah, like there's that like like that comparison between mm-hmm. uh, the Tyrells and Lannisters. Right, right. Yeah, when you look at the Riverlands, yeah, it's like House Tully kind of is doing what the Tyrells are doing. Like you said, is that they're trying to right. amass more power, put themselves in a position where uh, they're sort of uh, in control of that uh, uh, that that western you know uh, part of the Riverlands. So. Which is which? Which is neat. I didn't realize how close too um, they are to. I mean, they're, they're still kind of centralized, but they are in the western part of the um, of of the Riverlands. Um, mm-hmm. They're actually not too far mm-hmm. from the Iron Islands. You know, they would be one of the bigger houses that would sort of have to. And I think that is part of it. Like they're they are the defense against not only like um, the Westlands, but like the Iron Islands too. You know, because we, they often. Uh, will raid and, and, and what have you uh, there with the Riverlands. Mm-hmm. So, But um, mm-hmm. what's neat, yeah. too, do you see this part here in the book where it talks about the, um, I mean, you, you, if you have more to read, that's fine, too, but this, uh, the list of houses that have at one time or another ruled the Riverlands, you know? I think this is kind of neat, actually, um, talking about the different houses there. So House Fisher of the Misty Isle, House Blackwood, uh, Raven Tree, House Bracken. Uh, and these are these are houses that, Ruled the Riverlands, okay, uh, as asserted mm-hmm. in the histories. Okay, House Mud of Old Stones, the last dynasty of uh, the first men to rule the Riverlands. So there you go. Um, house Justman, House, I think it's House Teague, um, last of the kings of the river and hills native to the Riverlands. Um, house Durandon of Storm's End, which is interesting that, like, that's, yeah, they're from Storm's End. Right. So there's that whole piece where they had conquered at one point you know, uh, some of these Mm -hmm. other petty kings, you know. Right. Well, you know, that's something that I think we forget a lot when we talk about these set, like the seven kingdoms and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, like there's nine great houses now and there's really like nine regions. Yeah. Um, well nine kind of before, um, Robert Baratheon, because then the Baratheons take over the, the king's, area mm-hmm. um as or as i'm the the crown lands excuse me yeah um and so you know if there were seven kingdoms there'd have to be a couple that were consolidated and it was actually if you look at the storm the Stormlands was huge it goes yep. like all the way up yeah and includes the the riverlands as well yep yep yeah yeah so i uh, just kind of neat little history and then house house whore is again of the iron islands they they kind of there for the mm-hmm. long for the long while um was it the Black Heron? Yep. Yeah, they uh, had. Yeah, yep. who, who's who ruled there for a long while too. So, um, do you want to keep? So, would you want to come back to the to the Blackwood and Brackens feud, or uh, in just a little bit? Because no, we can, we can go right into that if you want. Well, uh, we'll just read it because I think it's kind of neat. You know, two of the two of these houses we hear a lot about. Uh, we hear a lot about the Blackwoods and the Brackens, and uh, they have this feud. And uh, we've got Melissa uh, Blackwood, you know, who is the mother of um, Bloodraven. Um, and oh, what's her name? Be- uh, Bessie 
Beth Beth of Blackwood. I was thinking the Bracken. Who's 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 the Bracken? Oh, because you've got uh, Missy, you've got Missy Blackwood, Melissa Blackwood, and I think you've got Bessie Be- or Bessa Bracken. I can't remember exactly. I have to go look, but that um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one of the mistresses. Yeah, one of the mistresses of uh, of King Aegon uh, the Unworthy. Okay, so the feud of the Blackwoods and the Brackens is infamous. And rightly so, for it stretches back thousands of years to before the coming of the Andals. The origins of it are contested and shrouded in legend. The Blackwoods say they were kings, and the Brackens little more than petty lords set on betraying and deposing them. While the Brackens say much the same about the Blackwoods. That they were both royal houses of the Trident seems true enough, and none can doubt that their, in- that their intimacy sprang from some cause... Uh, so entrenched that it has become legendary. So this reminds me of like the Hatfield and McCoy feud that we have here for in, sure, yeah. in the States. It's like uh, it's a feud that, that went on for so long that they actually kind of forgot why it started, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, its beginnings. Powerful as they were, uh, they have maintained their feud despite the many kings who have attempted to make peace between them. Even the old king, Jaharis. Uh, failed in his attempt to halt their ceaseless war for the peace he forged did not long outlast the end of his reign. So at one point he did kind of have them at least settle down and being cordial, uh, but did not last long. So any speculation out there, you know, as to what caused the feud? What was it that, that uh, you know, is it just vying over land or control of the trident, you know, um, the waterways in and out of the riverlands, you know, uh, could be a thing but uh, it's definitely it's like an ancient feud you know it's been going on for a long time so mm-hmm. i think it's proximity yeah, and, too okay so oh for sure yeah yeah and here here's some of the names of uh i yeah you, you yeah so you have barbara bracken who uh is the mother of agor rivers bitter steel melissa yeah. blackwood missy um, who gives birth to Maya Rivers, Gwen, uh, Gwyneth Rivers, and Brendan Rivers, who becomes Blood Raven, Lady Bethany Bracken, um, yeah. and I don't believe she has a son. And yeah, so those are like his his mistresses. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Um, so here's while we're on them real quick, I just did. A, I'm do a quick little bit of digging here. Um, House Bracken of Stonehenge. Um, so if you look back at the map, where are they at? There, Stonehenge, right there. Wow, they're pretty close to um, River Run, actually, just just north of the of of High Heart. Okay, so there's that, uh, and then let's look at uh, House Blackwood here, just because. It comes up all the time, and it's something that I, you know, until like a reread, I didn't really understand the relationship between these two houses. So um, House Blackwood of Raven Tree Hall uh, is an old house from Raven Tree Hall in the Riverlands. Uh, so do they have that there? Isn't it just, um, where is where is it located, Sir Matt? Do you see it on the map there? Raven Tree Hall, where would that? Uh, I'm looking real quick. doesn't actually have it listed there. Where... I just wanted to see exactly how close they were. You know, that's something I've never really looked up. I think they're both. I think they're both in the western. Makes sense that they uh, that they would be, but I mean, Stonehenge is a pretty big uh, 
looks it's it, it has it listed here as a castle. It's got it's it's a castle, and then you've got the major castle being River Run just to its west. Um, you know other other castles in the area. You've got the uh, Pink Maiden. You've got um, Heron Hall there. Um, yeah, man, I'm not really seeing another. The Twins Sea uh, Guard. Uh, give me give me one second. I can find it. I have my. I'll put my big map. Yeah. Um, I'm even looking at little towns here. So they've got towns, uh, Fair Market, you've got Salt Pans, uh, near the Quiet Isles, you've got Maiden Pool, which Maiden Pool comes up quite a bit. Um, Stony Sept comes up quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I don't really see it, though, on this, on this map. So I was just kind of, you've got Blackwater Rush down there. So that's coming, you know. Yeah, so you have, okay, so you have, so Raven Tree Hall is is just kind of let's let's see here so if you go if you start at the, so you get the isle faces just i don't yep. know what map you're looking at but if you go northwest and you run into one of the forks of the trident okay or or one of the rivers there you've got um, river run and then it, uh, raven tree is just north east of river run so it's like just like right there where those two kind of little rivers uh, converge. Oh, you mean we're we're, we're Tumblestone and Red Fork kind of split there off of the Red Fork? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would make sense then because you know that. I, so I thought I, I felt like there was some uh, like proximity just in that they were close to each other. So uh, yeah, they're right there in the heart of it, aren't they? They're right there. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that that makes sense. I'm when I'm looking at this map, they often would would talk about. Um, Oh, the the mountains, right? What was the big? Uh, the, the, they they renamed. Um, oh gosh, those mountains, you know, for so and so's, you know, teats or whatever. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I I'll look it up. But uh, anyways, so yeah, little house feud there. Definitely big players, and and you'll see a lot of them in and out of the court at uh, King's Landing. So different members of the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, not too long ago, we were just at the um, the inn at the crossroads. is a, is a pretty big, pretty infamous um, mm-hmm. inn. Oh, and, for sure. You know, so yeah. When um, when Catelyn Tully just not too long ago was was coming through the Riverlands, she was thinking about you know um, which way she should go. You know, and thinking about her about her uh, her father. I think, you know, you've got River Road. There's this road that sort of branches off from the King's Road that she could have taken. Uh, and then you also have, uh, and it kind of cuts across uh, the, the King's Road. So it's this big road that kind of cuts across that she could have taken over to River Run, but decides uh, to take it east instead into um, into the Vale. So. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. I think, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of more stuff on House, um, or the Lords of Harrenhal, you know, which is which is a thing that looks like it's its own possible. Uh, wow, that's a, that's quite a bit, man. There's so much a here. Mini chapter or something. Yeah, there's so much here for River Run, though, for for the for the for the Riverlands. Where where, where do we go next? Yeah. So, um, well, I think we can just kind of finish up here and just talk a little bit about um, River Run itself, the castle. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of cool that they kind of that each kind of chapter finishes with kind of like the seat and just gives us a little bit of it. The seat of House Tully is small when compared to the great fortress castles of other great houses. It is not even the largest castle in the Riverlands. For Heron the Black's ruined, uh, 
immensity of Harrenhal could not contain 10 river runs or could contain wow. 10 river runs. Excuse me. Yeah. So Harrenhal is absolutely enormous. I don't think like it can ever be described how, how, how big it is. Yeah. Um, yet river run is stout and well constructed as, and it's positioned at the juncture of two rivers surrounded by deep waters on two sides makes it exceedingly difficult to assault. Though besieged many times over the centuries, Riverrun has seldom been taken and never by storm. Uh, key to the castle's strength is the moat dug beneath its western wall where the main gate stands. Many castles in the Seven Kingdoms have moats, but few are created uh, with complicated sluice, sluice gates. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that word is. Uh, that allow them to be flooded at need. This gives Riverrun's moat a depth and breadth few others can achieve. With its moat fully flooded, Riverrun becomes an island and uh, all but invulnerable to assault. Yeah. Man, if you look at the photo, too, if you look at this this picture, this illustration, uh, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, In the book, which is re- it's a really good picture, too, by the way. It's crazy how much it's like almost like it is the at the, the fork of this... Uh, river it's just it's it's the river spreading right around it it's it's amazing mm-hmm. so that's really cool but yeah there's there's a lot more too i mean like uh some stuff we had covered in previous chapters or i'm sorry previous episodes were things like you know black heron and his rule you know so we we talked a lot about um what had happened with aegon's conquest and you know all of that so this this also kind of goes into little additional details on that so if you if you want to go back and look at it it's it's definitely worth it uh to read it's just sort of a lot to kind of cover in one little maester study so but right it's yeah and and we're gonna do and we're gonna do deeper dives this is just kind of like a broader overview of it so yeah it's something funny guys just you know how ambitious how ambitious it is to think that you could tackle every house um uh, a podcast that we listen to and you know he's he's a good guy uh, aziz from history of westeros uh, they attempted this at one point to kind of cover every house, <laughs> and he jokes. He often yeah. jokes like, "Remember when we tried that?" <laughs> so it's 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 tough, you know. It's not like uh, it's definitely something that you you, you can't do. An ep- I mean, it's just a lot. So we we want to, and there's but that that's just a testament to how much you know Gur has done in this world building and stuff. And what I can't believe too is we were reading uh, in today's chapter. Uh, just how much well actually I'm sorry it's next week's chapter but I was kind of reading ahead just the characters that he brings in you know um, the blackfish Mm -hmm. you know is in book one yeah and and it's someone who's who's sitting there uh, and has an interesting past and is looked on admirably by uh, Catelyn Tully so it's like you know I mean he has all these characters and all these these uh, keeps and and places set up it's just amazing so it's it's vast all right all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the reread. Um, this week we are in Eddard 8, but last week we were in Arya 3. Arya was chasing a cat when Marcella and Tommond had discovered her. She escaped un- unidentified but found herself in the dungeons. There she overheard two men talking about killing her father, and eventually finding her way out, she had uh, tried to tell her father what she heard about, but he doesn't believe her. So... Um, the last time we were in an Eddard chapter, Eddard uh, 7, 
after viewing the body of Sir Hugh, Ned and Sir Barrison Selmy struggled to convince King Robert not to compete in the melee. The Hound had won the tourney when he had saved the life of the Knight of Flowers. Later, Varus had visited Ned to reveal that Robert was meant to die in the melee. Yep. So here we are. Edard 8. Ned and King Robert argue over a plot to kill Daenerys Targaryen. When the small council also sets um, sides against him, Ned resigns in protest. As Ned prepares to return to Winterfell, Littlefinger arrives with news that he has identified the, bro- uh, the brothel that John Aaron, John Aaron and Stannis Baratheon had visited. Oh boy. Okay, there's your summary. Now let's dive into the details. So normally we kind of do thirds. This chapter is a little bit shorter, so I have it kind of divided in halves. Uh, the first part is, have you forgotten who is king here? Know your grace, have you? That's uh, kind of a little argument they mm-hmm. have there. And then the second part where uh, Ned leaves and he's talking to Littlefinger back at his thing and he says uh, at the moment I can't think of anyone whose company I desire less than yours yeah yeah no kidding uh, yeah okay so let's start with this uh, with this argument you know it's just uh, I think it's 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 interesting too we just had the as, as you read the, the the piece with Arya and and the plot you know here that Varys is is thick in um, with uh you know oh wanting to either kind of he either has to keep the kingdom at at uh you know well from from uh going to war with each other or you know he's he's playing um i i I don't i don't know exactly what he's up to because like like here this this is one of those chapters that makes you start to think like why is 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 Varys suggesting this and he's the one sort of relaying this information and everyone is really you know trusting in his um, and his word that that Jora Mormont has, you know, th- that this fourteen-year-old girl mm-hmm. is with child, and he's bringing that. And and uh, Ned questions it first of all that we're gonna we're gonna kill this girl just based upon you know um, the whispers of a spider. But yeah, I mean that's what mm-hmm. they're gonna do, you know. And so it's just so crazy that they have so much trust in Varys and his skill uh, and his informants that he could easily mislead them. You know what I mean? I mean, he could easily sort of drop some line, uh, s- s- some bit of non-truth there and, and have them uh, go in a direction that, that he desires. So, I don't know. We can talk mm-hmm. more about that later, though, as to why he is pushing for her to be killed. You know? Because mm-hmm. I still think it's 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 sort of murky um, as to how involved, you know, or, or what his, he and, and Illyrio's, you know, original, um, you know, plans are and i think it only gets murky when you have like uh young griff in the situation but i'm just wondering you know that last chapter they were talking about um that that they weren't ready to ride you know that 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 that, that uh, right that drogo would would basically wait until the child was born you know that the signs had to be right and then then they would move so uh, and now he's encouraging them to you know kill danny is it just a facade is it is it a front what is it so just my thoughts on the first first little bit there right well you know i i'm gonna go right ahead and agree with you sir ezra on i think kind of the most interesting character in this first little part is is Varus. when you just kind of are kind of actually seeing what he's saying because um okay uh there is no axe ned told the king only a the shadow of a shadow 20 years removed if it exists at all you know ned is trying to say like hey you know like you know 
you, there's so many factors that would have to go into her, like, you know, actually coming over here. It's like, she would yep. have to have a boy. She would have to have, um, she like, if the child survives, you know, yep. it's in like a desolate wasteland, um, you know, or like not killed before, um, the child will also have to be 20 years old. And at the end of the day, you're still going to have to convince the Dothraki to cross the sea. Yeah, correct. Um, and, and so, and Varys is like, if Varys as softly ring, uh, pout, uh, bringing powdered hands together. My Lord, you wrong me. What I bring lies to the king and council. This is talking about, um, you know, if Daenerys is even pregnant at all. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Varys, why would I bring lies to king and council? Well, we already know that you convinced, you know, the Mad mm-hmm. King to o- open the gates to um, uh, Tywin, Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Oh well, he was actually the. Uh, so it was the. Remember, you know, he 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 told him not to, which was crazy. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm totally totally wrong in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, but like, like yeah, you're it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally right. It, yeah, yeah. But I still that further though. I mean, so that's another thing. It's like, wait a second. You know, he, uh, like like he was trying to protect the Targaryens. Then, uh, what's he doing with Illyrio now? You know, and then why is he he feeding this council this information? I think part of it is like he's trying to. Um, like, did he even need to bring this information at all? Maybe they thought like, if the information reached the king and Varys the Spider wasn't the one to bring it, then perhaps like he would lose some of his, um, uh, I don't know, yeah, like like lose lose uh leverage or or yeah lo- yeah exactly right. there you go. Um, so maybe that's a part of it, but it's also like I mean they're at one point debating whether or not they should have a faceless man kill her. That's a pretty guaranteed. Like, mm-hmm. if they would have, if they would have went for that, well, Varys, like, you know, you like your Dothraki horde is done. You know, if they actually do kill her, um, I mean, he's good at smuggling people, you know, out and away. But I'm sort of like, if Littlefinger would have found the coin for that, then it's a done deal. You know, so. Oh, for what? sure. Well, I mean, okay. So look, look at this. Look at this kind of next. This next line here. Yeah. Uh, Varys gave the king. Um, you know. An uncautious smile and laid a soft hand on Ned's sleeve. I understand your qualms, Lord Eddard. Truly, I do. It gave me no joy to bring this grievous news to council. It is a terrible thing we we contemplate, a vile thing. Yet we who presume to rule must do vile things for the good of the realm, however much it pains us. But part of it is like, and you hear this a lot in the audio book. Yeah. It's just it's kind of the way Varus is saying it is like he's saying it in a way that's like, well, we just have to do it. And yeah. it, it almost sounds kind of smug. Um, and yeah. you know that he's like saying it to kind of it seems like he's saying it to con- like he knows this is going to drive a wedge between Eddard and Robert. Hey, you know what? That actually might be one of the reasons why he's doing this. You know, perhaps he knew maybe he I mean, because this came up on the downs. You know, when when they were up in the mm-hmm. barrel lands, uh, this discussion happened. I I don't know how how Varys would have known because they rode away. You know, to have this discussion about um, you know, her marrying Khal Drogo, uh, and they bring that up actually. It was like a quick little line, a quick little reference to it. But it's like, sort of like maybe he knew that this was maybe he he came back and like afterwards there's more conversation and Varys Varys finds out that there's some, you know, uh. Uh, this is a crack. This is a place where in which they differ, and he can sort of, you know, separate the two or drive, as you said, drive a wedge between them. That's actually a really good point. 
So yeah, maybe that's what maybe that's what he's going for. Because clearly, you know, Varus doesn't do anything without some kind of. You yeah, know, I mean, he he's clearly has a, he clearly has some motive behind what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Well, and he, and, he, and here's the thing. So maybe, and this is going to seem total tinfoil hat here, but he has a friend, and w- I was just listening the other day to, um, it was actually History of Westeros, and they were we were like they were talking about the wealth that these um, that these magistrates have over in Pentos, you know, and and how much money they have. I mean, honestly, you know, Illyrio could hire his own faceless man to, you know, um, intercept or, or hire someone else to either protect Danny or something. So it's like they could be, you know, if the, if that were to happen, uh, or a sellsword is going to like attempt an assassination, but a faceless man is there to kill him right beforehand. You know what I mean? They have a backup plan for, um, uh, for everything, perhaps. So because he's got right. the wealth to do it, he's got the wealth to hire. You know whoever he wants over there in uh, in Pentos. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's yeah, just really got I, me thinking. I don't know. I I know that's that that that's who I took the most away from this chapter is Varus and like what is he, what is he planning on doing? You know what is his what is his kind of ulterior motive here? Because you know as you said, if Daenerys dies, his his invasion is done unless he's already plotting about young Griff and maybe he yeah. used Daenerys as someone to get rid of. And in the show, yeah. Um, the in the show when Varus kind of meets Daenerys, they kind of have this kind of awkward back and forth where Daenerys doesn't really seem to kind of she she challenges him, right? Right. And uh, maybe that's because just a way. Maybe that's maybe that's a way for the show to kind of hint at oh, there is this other kind of plot in in the books. Yeah, well, I mean, she, and she challenges him because he's now serving, you know, uh, Robert Baratheon, you know, and, and he was serving her father. Same sort of thing with, with uh, Barristan Selmy, you know, um, and he has to kind of, each of them have to kind of explain as to why, you know, they need they serve the realm, you know, and they need to, then that why they continued in their position, you know. So, yeah, you're right, that's tough. I mean, there could be something that, that he... Well, yeah, I mean, doggone it, man. Actually, as as far as she knows, like this is the point in time where he does send, you know, he's he's he actually hires uh, Jorah Mormont, you know, to kind of keep an eye on her, and that is his informant, you know. So, I mean, that in 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 and of itself is sort of like uh, cause for her to, you know, he's been spying on her. So she's she's you know, even right. in the book or in the in the show, she's she's pissed because you know, I don't know if she knows. And if she'll know in the book that he, you know, attempted, uh, that he was a part of, like, sending assassination, you know, uh, attempts for her. But he, she'll at least know that he was spying on her through Jorah. Actually, she, did he say that in the book? Did he mention as to, um, are we there yet? Yeah, we are. Yeah, and in, in, uh, in the book, uh, yeah. you know, as as to why, as to who it was that, um, like she, well, she knows that he was a spy for King King Robert, and that he was reporting back to them, but I've, I, she has to figure out, or maybe they mention it, that it's through Varys. I'd have to go look that up real quick, but I, I'll, I'll look at it later. Um, but anyways, yeah. Okay, sorry, we can, can kind of continue on. I was just thinking out loud. No, that's fine, that's fine. No, for sure. Hey, absolutely. We get on, we get on these rabbit holes, or we, you know, we're, we've been chasing a lot of cats lately. Yeah, we have. <laughs> so. so, yeah, okay, so to kind of move on, um, really, this is also, so to kind of uh, go away from Varus a little bit here. Um, 
it's really like a big kind of this is a kind of big tension point between Ned and Robert, obviously. Yeah. Where, you know, Ned really never liked the way that things kind of you know, he definitely didn't like the way that Tywin Lannister had done things. He definitely when he kind of took when he you know, his men come in and the way obviously they murdered, you know, the uh, Rhaegar's children. And yeah. uh this is really where where Ned is kind of like, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm 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 done. Like he's he's saying, you know, it's entirely unnecessary to go kill Daenerys Targaryen, who's like a babe or you know, I mean, she's like fourteen herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, and whether and whether she whether she lives or not. And, you know, really if they anything, they should be worried more about Viserys, because Viserys is still alive at this point. You're right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was that it was that marriage that 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 uh, kind of caught him off guard. So really it's like she's going to back her brother. But it, I mean, real. what's crazy is, is that like all of them sort of see her as this threat. And then he still thinks that he's, you know, in, in charge. It's just it's bizarre. It's because of the, you know, um, oh, what was it? The, the the great council under the old king and where, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. that that the heir should be, you know, a male and not a female. So that's that's where he's lost in his like, it's going to be me. It has to be me. I have to be the one who who rules. So, yeah. Um. So, so yeah, you're right. It's a big. I think it's a battle of logic too. It's sort of like Ned's really showing to him, you know, that like this doesn't make any sense. This is not. You, you, you're not. You know, one to cower before like a 14 year old girl, the shadow of something to come. Like you know, uh, this is foolish. You know, like that's mm-hmm. not the Robert that. Oh, I for know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Who's like who's like afraid of an unborn child, and he really I think hits him there, and that's where he's like pissed and it's almost like robert's one of those guys who once he once he said he says something you know um he can't back down from it so when he when he comes in when varus it's manipulation too varus gives him the information he says get the council together and he's in there raging you know as we need to kill her you know and he comes in he's he hasn't attended a council meeting in in how long you know and he shows up and, and is making this this stance well then he doesn't want to lose oh, face right. yeah 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 you know so it's just unfortunate because it's too bad he didn't seek out the counsel of his good friend first before he goes in there. Maybe it would have gone a little different, but instead he's they've got him all worked up, you know. And uh yeah. So there's that. Well, you know, there's the there's the other angle of this too is um you know, which a lot of people say is why is it that Ned is so against Robert killing Daenerys? Um is it because Ned doesn't view the Targaryens as bad? Oh yeah. Because you know the possibility of you know r plus l equals j right yeah yeah his nephew being like a targaryen <laughs> right is right right yeah 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 yeah. so because because remember he had um when they were on that ride together he had kind of had a similar stance against it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and whether in, in and so I, now and now and now it's coming now it's coming back up and here he is still you know against this idea right yeah and when i say his nephew i mean either you know uh, either Jon Snow or Young Griff, whoever it may be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, uh, so yeah, I don't know, man, th- that's a good point. Is he, did he learn something about the Targaryens that sort of in the end has him thinking they weren't, you know, all, all bad and, and we misunderstood a lot of different things and it was just truly one, you know, mad king who was destroying, uh, the realm, you know. So it's sort of like right. the Lannisters, you know. Sometimes you start to lump them all together at the beginning, and you think, "Oh, they're all they're all you know, 
don't like them, you know, and then they grow on you after a while. You're like, well, Jamie's not too bad, and and, and Tyrion's the best. You know, he's he's fantastic. Um, and I understand Tywin. I get where, you know, I learned about his history with the Mad King and, and the way in which he's been treated, you know, and the insults that he took from the Mad King. He wants to kind of rule now and, uh, and, and stuff. And even Cersei in her backwards way. Like, it's just crazy. Like, it starts off that you hate these characters, and then you're like, oh, there's more to it than that. So... That could be worth. Yeah, actually, you know, I find myself actually coming to like Cersei a little bit more and more as as I read her, just because, um, you know, I mean, at the at the end of the day, she just knows how to play the Game of Thrones better than everyone else. Yeah, that's all it comes down to. It's not it's it's not that she's really evil. It's it's more that she is just she's the best. She's better than everyone else. Like yep. you know, if if she's not out there protecting her family, someone will take advantage of it. That's just the way that the world they live in kind of works. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay. Now, and, so, okay. Uh, another interesting part oh, this, in, in in the beginning of this is um, Sir Barristan Selmy. You know, mm-hmm. I was shocked. I kind of forgot that. Like we often forget that he's a member. He has a seat on the council. You know what I mean? Um, right. Just because of the way the show does it and stuff. Like, and he's in there, and, and he's he's one of the he's the only other one who agrees with Ned and says, yeah, she. We shouldn't kill her. Like that's there's no honor in that, you know. In, in sending um, a poisoner or an assassin, you know, face your foe on the battlefield. And I think his his more just comes from a face place of like he didn't really comment whether whether he thought it was right or not. It's just more, or I'm sorry, whether they should. His was more about the method. You know what I mean? It was like I just don't believe that's mm-hmm. a. It's just not, you know, face your foe on the battlefield is what he said. So, yeah, right for sure. Um, so okay, um, let's let's see here, and then you know you also have Renly in here, and he's like you know mercy is never a mistake, um, on the Trident, and then he talks about how you know Robert did in fact you know with Barristan Selmy there that Robert pardoned Barristan Selmy, yeah, you know even though it was Roose Bolton who said we should cut his throat, which is obviously interesting, um, you know because he was with. The Mad King, um, and so I just think I just think that you know that's something interesting too, and you know Robert tries to say that it's you know it's it's not the same, right? So yeah. Barrison was a knight of the King's Guard, and he says, Ned says, where Daenerys is a fourteen-year-old girl, um, and then this is where he kind of really starts to push him, you know he he put he pushes him a little too far here. This is where it's, it's kind of certain. He says, um, Robert, I ask you, why? What did we rise against Aerys Targaryen for, if not to put an end to the murder of children? And he says to put an an end to Targaryens. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And yeah. And so then this is the line I like here. Your grace. I never knew you to fear Rhaegar. Ned fought uh, to keep the scorn out of his voice and failed. Have the years so unmanned you that you tremble at the shadow of an unborn child. Robert purpled. No more Ned. He warned pointing. Not another word. Have for you, Have you forgotten who was king here? No, your grace. Ned replied. Have you? And then yeah. enough. The king bellowed. I'm sick of talk. So it's just, you know, no one, certainly no one else could get away with pushing Robert that far. Oh, no. And that's, I think that's the, like, it's weird because Varys kind of admires him for that. And, and I think even the queen, mm-hmm. like people realize like, wow, this is his friend. Like if anybody can really speak sense to him and, and would be a good hand given the time, uh, it'd be, you know, mm-hmm. Eddard. But uh, mm-hmm. he, he's had years of, being allowed to just treat these people like this and just sort of like everyone 
kind of cowing and doing what he wants and stuff. And it's sort of like now his good, stern friend is here speaking good reason to him. I, I think Barris and Selmy also probably did that as well. Uh, and they just kind of took the lashings mm-hmm. that, la- air quote, lashings that the king gave uh, each of them. But it's like, it's I think it's something to kind of, you know, it's like, wow. like, but But there's also this arrogance with the council in that like, well, you know, you just don't understand, you know, the king here and that this is um I, I don't think they think they don't believe that you can change his mind you know they think once it's made up like this right. like there's really no getting around it just just fall in line and let's let's move on or whatever but like uh Eddard just doesn't believe that and so it's why you know and from what he remembers he remembers a friend you know who was merciful right and and that's what actually what he tells Renly mm-hmm. is like you know yeah he did allow uh Viserys and Daenerys to live but he also allowed Ser Barristan you know to live um and, and things and he showed mercy there that's the that's the king that's the friend uh that he remembers the king who you know he would follow so i don't know it's, it's yeah, tough no, for it's, sure yeah it's a tough little you know scene i think it does a lot though i think robert he's pissed because ned's right and he's willing he's going to come back later um if everything that we, we know what happens but it's sort of like if things didn't go the way if ned wasn't on this secret um you know mission and uncovering these these uh these really nasty secrets right uh that are that are dangerous if he wasn't doing that i think you know the king would have come back you're right i think he would have came back later and said i'm an idiot come back you know this is stupid you know right i really think he would have actually uh just because he 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 really trusts his friend but he needs time he needs to sleep on it he needs to think about it and cool down which is what you know um eddard kind of says and he might have come back uh but he might have also you know, left to, I mean, I, I don't know. It's sort of a, you know, he's, he's in a tricky spot. And I think he senses a lot more danger just because of uh, John Aaron's death and the Lannisters and, and the fact that, which we're going to get into it here in just a bit, but that, you know, things that Catelyn Tully had just done that sort of are, you know, forcing him to leave maybe sooner than he would have, you know, in other situations. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Nope, for sure. Okay. Um, well, should we move on to you know the the second the second kind of half here is that really they just keep pushing and pushing and what ends up happening is that is that uh, Ned ends up leaving. Yep, he resigns. You know, as Ned ends up, yeah, Ned, Ned ends up resigning. Um, I wanna I wanna have it. I wanna have. Uh, I wanna find the actual the the actual line here. Um, Okay, um, I will not be part of uh, of murder, Robert. Do as you will, but you will not ask me to fix to fix my seal to it. For a moment, Robert did not seem to understand what Ned was saying. Defiance was not a dish he tasted often. Slowly, his face changed as comprehension came. His eyes narrowed, and a flush crept up his neck past the velvet collar. He pointed an angry finger at Ned. You are the king's hand, Lord Stark. You will do as I command, or I will find me a hand who will. I wish him every success. Ned unfastened the heavy clasp uh, that clutched at the folds of his cloak, the ornate silver hand uh, that was his badge of office. He laid it on the table in front of the king, saddened by the memory of a man who had pinned it on him, the friend he had loved. I thought you a better man than this, Robert. I thought we had made a nobler king. Robert's face was purple. Out, he croaked, choking on his rage. Out, damn you. I'm done with you. What are you waiting for? Go. Run back to Winterfell and make certain I never look on your face again, or I swear I'll have your head on a spike. 
which yep. is obviously interesting because it you know there's Gur foreshadowing yep. to something else. Um, we also we'd also talked you know in the in the last Arya chapter where she's um, worried about her father's safety and um, is it Jory who says you know you, you kill easiest way to I think kill a snake is to cut its head off. Yeah, wizard. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, or a wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right though. Yeah, I mean that's you're right in the, the yeah again foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it's terrible. Um, makes me so sad to think about. All right, let's not let's not think about it. All right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, he 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 resigns, marches back to the the tower. Um, you know, summons Valen Pool. Uh, and says, "Hey, it's it's time to to get out of here." And basically, Valen says, "You know, it's going to take a fortnight." And he's like, "We might have like a day, <laughs> like a day." And I also think right. he maybe he thought he had longer. Uh, I don't really know. I'm sure the king could have sent him a message, you know, by way of uh, messenger or something later that night saying, you know, or even the next day, things are okay, etc. But he's preparing to leave, one, because he is curious about these other events. He wants to know why Stannis Baratheon has been so quiet out there on Dragonstone. Absolutely. You know? So, you know, but yeah, uh, I think he just, he decides he's going to go on with, with his daughters and, and a couple, uh, a few of his men, and that should be enough, and he's going he's gonna to take off. You know, by the morrow, really, the next day, mm-hmm. he's ready to go. Yeah, and uh, he he thinks there for a little bit. He thinks a while on it, and when he thinks of, of going to Dragonstone, he decides. Uh, th- doesn't he decide to possibly go by sea, go back to Winterfell by sea, and then stop mm-hmm. at Dragonstone? Yeah. So that yeah yeah that that way that way he could he could he could make a stop at Dragonstone. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of tells Valen to go out and, and pick uh you know, make arrangements there, and then everyone else can kind of follow. You know, in their own time, uh, but you know he needs to leave rather quickly. So, you know, and I think he also wants to get back. Yeah. He starts to long for like, you know, making another son. You know, he's like he's like Cat and I aren't aren't too old. You know, we could make another son. Yeah, which, and which she is, and she right and she yeah she has that same kind of thought too. So yeah, that's great. It's great that they like so, ended up loving you know each other and have this you yeah. know good kids. So. So, okay, um, so then we kind of move to the second part where he goes back and he's pretty much getting ready to start packing up and he, he, he's thinking about stuff. He says, um, this is after Jory, uh, you know, he tells Jory to get get ready, but don't tell anyone. Um, when he had gone, Eddard Stark went to the window and sat brooding. Robert had left him no choice that he could see. He ought to thank him. It would be good to return to Winterfell. He ought never left. His sons were waiting there. Perhaps he and Catelyn would make a new son, as you know, Sir just said. They were not so old yet, and as of late, he often found himself dreaming of snow, of the deep quiet of the wolf's hood at night. And yeah. yet, the thought of leaving angered him as well. So much and was still undone. Robert and his council of cravens and flatterers uh, would beggar the realm if left unchecked, or worse, sell it to the Lannisters in payment of their loans. And the truth of John Aaron's death still eluded him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had found a few pieces enough to convince him that John had indeed been murdered, but that was no more than the than the the spore of an animal on the f- uh, forest floor. He had not yet sighted the beast itself, though uh, he sensed it was there, lurking, hidden, treacherous. Yeah. Yep. So he's yeah, definitely so- leaving things unfinished, but also like, and, and, and you know, so he doesn't want to leave because he realizes that the realm is about to go into Lannister hands. You know, it's indebted to them. It's, it's, uh, we're not in a good place, but 
you know, screw it. Whatever. It's it's left to them then, you know. And it's sad, but he needs to go back to the north. So uh, I like though there's a there's a part too where he thinks about um the rage in which Robert was in. You know, he's like he's just sort of like th- he kind of thought that after 15 years he wouldn't still be raging about the mention of Rhaegar. But um mm-hmm. it says always suddenly uncomfortable he found himself recalling Rhaegar Targaryen 15 years dead yet Robert, yet Robert hates him as much as ever. So and he says it was a disturbing notion, you know, um, right? That he was still dwelling on this that many years later and couldn't move on. So I don't know. And he wants to wipe out the Targaryens. So he's just so, you know, hell bent on it that 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 uh, he can't get past um, the idea of even the thought of Danny having a child and them coming over or people even wishing for that maybe. You know what I mean? That's another thing is that like Well, it's also probably it's I mean in Robert's eyes it's probably also a way for him to get back on the out on, I mean, you know, I mean he's do some do something good in the realm because you know, right now he doesn't really do a lot. He just yeah. kind of, you know, hang he just yeah. kind of hangs out and and drinks and you know, whores himself and you know, and that's that's just what he does. So here, maybe, yeah. maybe it's kind of a, a view of like I, you know, I did something good for the realm. I killed another Targaryen. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yep. So, um, but yeah, so. the, the d- have we talked about Littlefinger? No, not yet. Okay, but we we should, yeah, yeah. So I see. So yeah, I think uh, that's the, probably the next spot to go is is uh, the person who, you know, Eddard wants to see the least uh, ends up showing up uh, at the door. Lord Baelish, to see you, my lord. Um, Ned was half tempted to turn him away, but he thought better of it. And uh, you know, he was not free yet until he was. He must play their games. Uh, show him in, Tom. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, P- uh, he, he, Peter Baelish walks in, um, and he's very short. He just wants to know, what's your what's the point? Why are you here, etc.? And Peter says, I won't detain you long. Uh, I'm on my way to dine with Lady T- with Lady Tanda. Uh, lamprey pie and yeah. roast suckling pig. Uh, she has some thought to wed me to her younger daughter, so her table her table is always astonishing. Truth be told, her younger daughter. I'm sorry. Truth be told, I'd sooner marry the pig, but don't tell her. I I do love lamprey pie. So um, Ned's like, well, then get on with it. You know, head back. You know, go just go see her instead. That's fine. Uh, and he brings up though, he must have been tracking. Um, he he knew that Jory had been going in and out of brothels looking for, you know, one of Robert's uh, other bastards. And that's what he's there to right. offer him, you know, basically, is that he's found, you know, like, I can take you there, you know, myself. And I know exactly where it's at. You know, if, if you were still interested um, and you and you want more information on that, I have it. And, you know, here it is. Come get it. So that's basically. Right. And this is kind of, and this is unfortunately kind of the worst thing that Eddard Stark does. Um, yeah. Because if he had just left right here and now, I think he, you know he would have been he would have been okay. But right. obviously, we know that you know what what ends up happening where he gets up there he gets a, he comes out of the brothel and has a run in with Jamie and then he's kind of stuck in King's Landing and right. But uh, I mean, but you Ned he he wants to he wants to see if he can he can get that final piece of information to kind of prove you know to Robert that that everything and, and you know yeah. Yeah, he does. There was plots to kill him, and plots, and you know, John Aaron was murdered, and everything. So right, and that's, we that Ned is still even after this big fight, Ned is still committed to his friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and um, 
and maybe Peter ba- Peter Baelish knows that and wants to. I don't know if he. I actually don't even know at this point that he knows. Maybe he does know what's happened with the Lannisters, and he knows that keeping him in in town a little bit longer uh, is going to result in a confrontation. But I don't know. It seems like to me he just wanted to kind of uh, feed more of this information to to um, Eddard because in chaos, Littlefinger can rise. You know, I, I kind of feel like that's his right. his thing, and so. Um, even if, you know, Eddard does get back to the north and, you know, learns this stuff, he's kind of like Stannis sitting on Dragonstone, they eventually send word to the king or something and, you know, war breaks out and Littlefinger can kind of, you know, do his thing. But another cool part here that, that uh, Littlefinger does is, is he, he tries to say that he actually may have done the girl, um, you know, done more for Danny than anyone at that council because he recommends that the right. gr- that the crown doesn't have enough money to afford a faceless man, so hopefully, you know, some sellsword or or, or whoever uh, will take up the you know assignment, and odds of them actually, you know, assassinating or killing uh, the Khaleesi are slim. So you know, he's sort of like right. no one really thinks of that, do they? You know, it's sort of a backwards way of thinking about it. Um, but he's like, it, you know, it's just manipulation. You know, he's he's. Maybe he truly didn't want to kill Danny, but he has no no one's gonna listen to him, but he can manipulate them into the worst option, you know, which is to send a, a sellsword after her because we don't have the money. And that's good enough. And then we're appeased right. and moving on and it could take years for that to happen if if it happens at all, and then they're on their guard, so they know that people are trying to assassinate her. Um, you know. So he's got a good point there and, and Ned doesn't really wanna, you know give him any any credit at all because it's still you know he's still musing about killing a 14 year old girl you know he's still he's still a part of it and it could there's the potential that it could you know um happen and he would have a hand in it so it's just interesting right, for sure you know so that's it though i think that's pretty much it for this week's yep. chapter yeah that is yeah that is pretty much the chapter um all right let's go ahead and move on we got a couple uh ravens here we want to uh kind of read sir ezra uh, yeah, we just had a few. Um, honestly, uh, we had saved the the major ravens for follow up Friday, uh, and we got some stuff from the group that we'll pull uh, for follow up Friday. But these were just a couple comments that I wanted to kind of uh, housekeeping things uh, here. So we had um, uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Forbes had sent us a, a message just saying hello, sir Matt, and, um, and I got Lord Ezra, which is great. Um, yeah, I was uh, curious about that. Yeah, the, 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 I, guess, I, I uh, did, did I, you did you did you acquire a lordship? I'm, I'm I think he did of. that intentionally. I think he knows that I uh, I, I Sir Ezra has a history. Okay, I, I have a history, and uh, we need to talk about our histories at some point. More about our where we came from and and stuff. We're still kind of mystery knights, aren't we? We're hedge knights, mm-hmm. but we're yeah. we're kind of a mystery. Um, so I may have had mm-hmm. a lordship back in the day. I don't have it any longer, um, and this this may well be one of my old. Uh, Bannerman, you know, so I, uh, okay. I may need to inquire uh, with this with this one a little bit more. But he said I uh, was he was sending his first message on as a patron member. Uh, enjoys the show. Thanks for the har- for all the hard work. Uh, and I just wanted to kind of give him a shout out. So Patrick, uh, Sir Patrick, thank you. Uh, definitely appreciate you hitting us up. And uh, I look forward to conversing with you um, in the future and and possibly, you know, learning your whereabouts and and uh, where you're from. To, just to recall, see if you, uh, you know can remember my my uh former lordship title so <laughs> uh next we have 
Um, I think this is uh, I think this is Greg. This is actually oh, a Bannerman has no name, right? Uh, he says, "Good sirs, I upgraded yeah. my tier um, as I get so much from your show, and you both put so much into it. Uh, that is the least I could do to kick in a bit more to show my gratitude. Uh, as as a faceless man, I cannot take the black, so no need for the vows. But I wanted to support the show. Thank you, gentlemen. And so I just wanted a quick shout out to anyone who, um, you know, that's that's super, you know, gracious and and uh, a couple of hedge knights definitely appreciate that. So we haven't been doing too well at the yeah. at the at the tourneys. So." Um, you know, uh, pockets are a little, you know, <laughs> not much coin. Uh, I, yeah. I, actually, we're I'm posting, uh, so as this should be out on Monday, uh, the Hedge Night should be up for you guys to enjoy on Patreon. And uh, it's actually re- kind of reminds me that that comment there and just thinking about, you know, Sir Matt and I as Hedge Knights. Like, isn't it nice when you get a little extra coin and you can you can actually go get the duck on top of the, the meat that's roasting? That's what Dunk hey. got. Yeah. Know? He's That's like, I'll have them both, did, you know, and I'll have them both, you know. Yeah. So anything she was and then offered, he found out that his armor cost way more than that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So all right, uh, and then we have one more here. Uh, this is from um, this is from Sir Fluffhead of Gamehenge, and uh, formerly known as Brown Ben Zaza. He says that now that I've taken the black, I cannot go by by uh, Brown Ben Zaza. Uh, I now uh, will be known as Sir Fluffhead of Gamehenge. I just think it's great, just the evolution, you know, uh, which is which is awesome. Right, yeah. Uh, Hails from the Dornish Dornish marches. Uh, my words are: I come from the land of darkness. I come from the land of doom. I come from the land of Gamehenge, and uh, from the land of the big baboon, which is just hilarious to me. So at the top of the show, uh, we got a chance to give him a shout out. So uh, thanks to all our patrons and everyone who is, you know. Uh, giving us that support and and helped us out there. We appreciate you guys, and um, we look forward to kind of producing some more Black Council episodes. Uh, we got the Hedge Knight done for you, and uh, we'll be moving on to what is it is it uh, Sworn Sword next? What's Sworn what's, Sword? So, yeah, okay. Uh, the Checky Lion, the the yeah with uh, the 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 Red Widow, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that'll be fun. All right, uh, so that's it for Ravens this week. Uh, again, you can send those to btkcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up there, and uh, we've got some good ones this week. Uh, Ghost of Heron Hall is back with a couple really solid um, Ravens and, and, and others. We've got some good discussion going on in the group uh, from everyone, quite frankly. So uh, we will cover that this follow-up Friday, so be ready for that. All right, okay. I think. All right, well, yeah, I believe it is. Uh we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter Thirty Four. Oh no, I forgot to, uh, forgot to put down who it is. Catelyn. 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 Yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, Catelyn Six. Yeah, that's um, that's actually a great chapter, guys. It's uh, it's one of those I, I often think about. Um, you know, just in like leading into the Vale, learning more about the Vale. It's actually uh, going to be a lot of fun to cover. So yeah, we'll cover Catelyn. Uh, is Catelyn Six? I think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, okay, or yeah. Um, all right. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.